Uh, good morning. Well, it's good to see your faces. Um, two weeks um, you've been staring at us online, but I haven't been able to see you. Um, hopefully you've enjoyed those services. Um, if you haven't seen those, you can go to our YouTube channel and uh, watch uh, Relive Christmas Day all over again. Um, that would be amazing. And also, of course, New Year's Day. But I encourage, if you haven't done that, uh, to do that because there's some great testimonies about what's happening across the breadth of our church, uh, not only in this campus but many campuses, which I think would be great for you to understand and hear what God is doing across the breadth of hope you see. Amen? Well, today is a special day. Um, great to have all the kids in the service today and, and oops, um, and of course their parents. Um, we welcome you as well. Um, um, just want to make sure I get my priorities right there. Um, but today I want to, I suppose, speak about um, what the Bible, or a part of what the Bible says about anointing. It's such a big subject matter, to be honest. Um, but in one particular, uh, I suppose, vein, I want to lean in and to really unpack that a little bit so that as we go into this uh, part of our service where we get to participate and you guys get to participate in anointing, that you really are truly understanding what we're talking about. This is a very much a teach and practice service today. So very pragmatic. You're going to outwork your spirituality in this service today. Is everyone good for that? Um, if you've came just to watch and hide, I'm sorry, today um, is not that day and probably typically not this church. Um, so we're looking for and enjoy people's engagement. We're also sensitive to your requirements, so please... Um, if you are uncomfortable, make sure that you let the people around you know as well. I'm tr just trying to be um, a good pastor to everybody here today. I mean, every calendar year, whether you like it or not, most of us um, sit down and start thinking about what will I do differently this year to what I did last year? Has anyone written anything down on a piece of paper. I like that. I'm talking about goals, uh, aspirations, New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's resolutions. Anyone done any of that? Absolutely nobody. Okay. <laughs> You've been too concentrated on the beach, uh, going to the movies, all those sorts of things. Well, I'm sure that subconsciously um, most of us have been thinking about what will I do differently? And that's a good thought. Most of people who think those things, there's a bit of a transition to actually go from thinking about it to actually writing it down. Writing things down is a very important um, psychological thing to do. It actually, I've been studying this in my um, master's program, they say until you write something down, those are just jumbled thoughts in the back of your head. Um, and so when you start writing things down, then you start to talk to yourself about what do I really believe? And so writing things is a very good practice about your own self-expression on planet Earth. 
So again, I encourage if you haven't done it already, maybe you should think about just one of those three, four or five goals or things that I want to actually try to work towards this year. Just take five minutes, 10 minutes, take a whole day and actually reflect and write those things down. But of course, I believe spiritually, every new year actually speaks to a role or a place that every person has within their community, in your home, in your school, in your work, uni, whether it's a volunteer role, um, inside your family, or and of course, in the marketplace. Again, it's a great time, I believe, spiritually, God's speaking to people about what is the thing that He wants you to do in 2023. For example, kids, and I know there's kids in the room, I'm speaking to you today. Um, What would be the important thing for you to think about this year? What example could you set for the other kids in your classroom when you go back to school? How will you listen? How will you learn? How will you behave? Maybe you might even get the title of class captain. Maybe you might be the lights monitor or the library helper or the sports captain or the school captain, but there's a role for you in 2023. There's something special that I believe that God has for you as you as well apply yourself, stretch yourself and expand your own dreams about what you could achieve. For parents at home, maybe... You have the important job, not maybe, but you do have the important job of setting the values and the tone of your home. Where are you leading your family this year? What's important to you? What things will you invest into this year? What will you show value to or priorities to? For example, maybe in your home, it might be something that you're going to say, we're going to fight for this idea of sitting around the dinner table and eating dinner together, if that's what's important to you. Or maybe it's having a prayer moment or a devotional moment within your family context, whatever structure that may be. Or maybe as a family, you say, no, we're going to lift our commitment to our church. We're going to actually now commit to being a part of a life group and a community of faith. Well, maybe I'm speaking now to the business person today. You may own a company or maybe this year, 2023, you've said, I'm going to start up that new venture. Or in some cases, you may be an employee or a contractor, but regardless of your situation, you influence other people, which means by definition, you are a leader title or not, which means you have a role to play in this society, in this community, because of that influence that you have. Or maybe you've walked into the room today and you're a retiree. You're saying, well, I already give out so much by investing into other people's lives through service helping families, discipline, uh, discipling and encouraging people. Um, yes, we're okay for the retirees to discipline us as well. Well, I want to just say to you, well done. Well done. 
2023 can still be your best year ever. Please continue this good work. You see, whether we like it or not, we all need help to be who God has called us to be. You can't do life on your own. We see from time to time again in the Bible, people called out by God, um, the stories about different leadership roles or different leadership opportunities, which I believe you can put yourself in that same context this morning. But God just doesn't call them out and then leave them to their own devices. They are anointed by God. See, the word anoint is... In the Greek New Testament, the word anointing comes in many different definitions, but primarily that word anoint comes from a Greek word called Cairo, the the anointing. And anointing in the New Testament most often refers to an action, an action that is done rather than a thing that we have. See, sometimes as Pentecostals, we, we misuse that word by saying, oh, the service was so anointed today, as if to say there's different um, types of anointing. Well, see, there's only one anointing. There's only one Holy Spirit. Now, you may sense Him different at different times for sure. But if you are born again, follower of Jesus Christ this morning, you are already anointed. Thank you. Thank you, Laurie. I appreciate your, your reinforcement of that theology. But it's true. Now, in the Old Testament, the priests were anointed for their special service to the Lord. In Exodus chapter 29, there's a whole couple chapters there about the protocol about Aaron and how those priests should be brought into the temple and the tabernacle. And verse 7 says, um, the action, you remember I'm talking about anointing means action. It says that then anoint those priests by pouring the anointing oil over their heads. There's an action that reflects this anointing. See, the oil would be applied, but really it was a sign of the Holy Spirit upon their lives. The oil on their head was only an outward sign of the sacred spiritual work going on on the inside. You see, another biblical example is that Joshua was anointed and had the Spirit of the Lord on him to lead the people of Israel. Anointing always has a purpose linked to it. Samuel anointed David as a young boy, declaring him for future kingship. Jesus is called Messiah in the Hebrew which means the anointed one. Jesus, so beautifully described in the New Testament, was anointed by the Spirit of God at his water baptism. The picture where it says the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit, like a dove, fell on him and clearly in front of everyone, Jesus Christ was anointed. 
At which point then he went into the desert, was challenged and tempted, and his theology was tested. And he comes out of that desert experience. Later we read about this in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 4, where Jesus walks into church, that he gets handed a scroll from the Old Testament and reads Isaiah 61. It's the same verse that's significant for us as a church. Um, In every campus we have this portion of Scripture um, up on the wall somewhere in the foyer or somewhere. And it starts out, we remember Jesus Christ reading these words and he says, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me for he has anointed me too. And then it goes into all of these descriptions to bring, to proclaim, to set captives free that there was an action that was linked to the anointing. When he finished reading that scripture he said then to the crowd this scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day Jesus again is now announcing to the people to us today that he was anointed that he was anointed by the Holy Spirit to do these things you see in a New Testament sense and we are the New Testament church Anointing has the same understanding as being filled, empowered and equipped by the Holy Spirit. The results of you being anointed, the results of you being filled, empowered and equipped by the Holy Spirit, King David writes so poetically about in Psalm 92. If you've got your Bibles here, I know that many of you do, which is fantastic. Psalm 92, verse 10. If you don't have your Bible, I think we've got this scripture on the screen. And it says, But you have made me as strong as a wild ox. You have anointed me with the finest oil. There's a picture here to saying, the power, the, the force that a wild ox has, that that is the same effect that the anointing has on your life. Imagine you being the bull in the china shop. That's what King David is saying, saying the Holy Spirit is on me. I, I am a force to be reckoned with. No matter what the Sydney Morning Herald, the Australian or the Telegraph says, no matter what Koshi says on, Sunday, on Monday morning, you're, you are like a wild ox. Don't absorb what they say about what's happening to you. Be the wild ox and actually change the temperature and the direction of you, your family, your business, your enterprise, where you uh, lay your head on the bed, that you are that person because, as Jesus says, the sovereign Lord is upon me. So how does this affect us in our day to day? You see, the anointing oil is symbolic really, of our heart's desire to be one in Christ, to trust God for breakthrough in every area of our lives. 
when you are that wild ox that you're not charging out in your own energy and strength. That's a strength that comes from submission and alignment to God. Trust God for every breakthrough in, you, in the area of your life that you're desiring. Declare your trust, declare your security and be firmly planted in Him. Now there's some benefits about this anointing, this thing that we have that God has um, fought for us. And again, being anointed means that you can also declare health and healing for your life. See, New Testament church, James, the, the, book, the book of James, the writer of James, James 5 says, ask the question, are any of you sick? Question mark. You should call for the elders of the church to come, pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the, of the Lord. This is a, a, not just a good idea, but I would suggest to you there's a spiritual practice about that. It was the practice of the early church to use anointing oil on the sick. So when the elders of the church visited the sick, they would then anoint the sick person with oil in the name of the Lord. I know that sounds very um, straightforward and simple, but this is not just a ritual, but something done in faith. See, the New Testament is still alive today. We are that church where we are believing for and praying against sickness. We don't say, God, if it's your will, God doesn't want you to be sick. God doesn't want you to live in poverty. God doesn't want you to be depressed and downtrodden. Those aren't God's desires for you. If that's the way you default in your thinking, can I suggest to you that you read the Scriptures over and over and over again? God is a good God. He actually, Jesus gives a parable and says, what father would give his son a snake when he asked for bread? That's the God that we serve. So we pray against those things and anoint you with oil. There's another benefit of the anointing and the anointing lifts burdens. Luke spoke so powerfully about those few chapters in Isaiah. And Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27 says, says that, again, that picture that he painted, in, the, in that day the Lord will end the bondage of his people. He will break the yoke of slavery and lift it from their shoulders. I mean, the New King James Version says this way, that the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Remember, every time we talk about the anointing oil, we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. So every time you feel a yoke coming on your shoulders, a load, where maybe you have to somehow reposition yourself and go, yeah, I I got a, a bigger weight to carry, you can actually say, Holy Spirit, break that yoke. See, the way the Scriptures paint the picture in Isaiah chapter 10 here. It will break the yoke of slavery. You may be weighed down, stress, 
worries, concerns. Some may be legitimate, some may be imagined about what could happen, what might happen. The worst stress is things that haven't happened yet. And that's actually what generates the most anxiety in people's lives. Sometimes we just need things to be resolved and go, now what can we do to deal with that problem? Maybe you sense as you, uh, this year already, you feel like, well, the, the enemy is at work attacking me. See, I want you to notice one thing about this scripture in Isaiah. The word says the yoke will be destroyed, not broken. There's a difference between these two words. When something is broken, it can be repaired. But when something is destroyed, it is beyond repair. God's anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit will destroy every opposing spirit that's actually coming against your life today. You've just got to be bold enough to say, I stand in alignment with God. I stand in alignment with the power of His Holy Spirit. And I believe that He is going to break that oppressive yoke. Galatians 5, which is a whole story unto itself across that book, says, So Christ has truly set us free. Which means there's no bondages, there's no yokes. Now make sure you stay free, the Scripture says. And don't get tied up again in slavery, the yoke, by the law. See, we can actually symbolically put those yokes back on ourselves. Even though Christ has done all of the work, He's destroyed all of the yokes, there's yokes that we are all carrying that we're constantly trying to say, God, help me to let this go. How do we allow those yokes not to be placed back on our shoulders? Well, don't default to the law rather than rest in God's grace. My last point is the anointing brings restoration. The prophet Joel writes in chapter 2, he says, Rejoice, you people of Jerusalem. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for the rain he sends demonstrates his faithfulness. Once more, the autumn rains will come, as well as the rains of spring. The threshing floors will again be piled high with grain and the presses will overflow with new wine and olive oil. I mean, some of the translations talk in this scripture about the former rain. This is the autumn rains and the spring rains. The Hebrew refers to that as the the faithfulness of God, the refreshing, the spiritual work that happens inside us, inside our church, in your your homes, in your workplaces, that God is faithful to bring the rain at the right time. And of course, literally and figuratively, our lives will be full of grain, overflowing with new wine and oil, And again, the next verse in this uh, chapter, and maybe for some people who've been around church long enough will know this verse, is the Lord says, I will bring you back 
what you lost. And it goes on and describes four or five different types of locusts and about all the different things that they took away. God, I believe prophetically this morning, I'm speaking to this service, the 8.30 service in, in Gosford. As I wrote this and read this again and meditated on it as I was preparing, God is going to restore the years that the locusts and the worms have eaten. I'm talking to you today. I'm just not talking to the air. I'm talking to your personal lives. Let me put it to you another way. The creator of time says that he will restore to you, you, the years that have been wasted or stolen from you. This is a benefit of the anointing. This is the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives. So, kids, how will this all look? What should I do now that I know these things? What can I suggest? As Jesus declared, as he read that scripture from Isaiah 61, help other people around you. Be the kids in your class or a neighbour that, uh, that needs someone, that you are the one showing kindness, that you are the one bringing joy to them, that you would be the friend that they need. Share a toy or a game. Include other kids in your play. You could turn someone else's mourning into joy. But God's not asking you to do that without His help, without His anointing. He is anointing you to be able to do all of these things in the year ahead. And for us adults in the room today, we could actually show people how to enjoy and receive God's grace in their lives. People don't need more rules, more regulations, more hoops to jump through. What they need to understand is that God's love is for them. We all need God's anointing for this. We all have God's anointing for this. See, the anointing is God enabling, God's empowering presence. The Holy Spirit is with us for a reason. Jesus said so profoundly that I, I don't know that we fully understand it sometimes. He says, I have to leave so that you can enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit. So today, Darlene's going to come up and join me. We're going to anoint you with oil. This anointing is a commissioning. It's a stake in the ground today, this first Sunday that we're actually physically gathered together, where I believe that you're going to receive, in some cases, a calling. In some cases, I believe that you'll receive an enabling, that you'll receive an empowerment where the Holy Spirit will clearly, as you go through this year, as you reflect even upon this day where you'll say, yeah, the Holy Spirit is leading me. The Holy Spirit is guiding me. The Holy Spirit is empowering me for me and my family this year. I believe that if there's 
profound sickness that's in your household, that again today, as we declare God's anointing on your family, this will be something that will destroy the yoke on. Healing. And of course, if you are areas of your life that you are chasing freedom, I believe again that that yoke of slavery and bondage will be broken today as you accept this anointing again. Amen. 